See, I make him hug me like that, and you only get that in public, you know, and it's, uh, I get it four times today. And the reason I do that is because he's not very touchy-feely, so I'm trying to get him out of his box and, you know, get that whole thing going. Uh, when I first started uh, to get to know Herbert Cooper and we started becoming friends, um, he, I was at my church, and he would call up to my church, and, and uh, he would say, hey, can I speak with Pastor Tommy? And the uh, secretary would say, well, well, sure, but, you know, who are you, and, you know, what is this regarding? And uh, he would say, you just go tell him that's the only black friend he's got. And, uh, <laughs> and I was like, okay, uh, Herb, this is my cell phone number, and you can call me directly from this point forward. And... Uh, we instantaneously just hit it off, and, and it was great, and, and we're, we're just the best of friends. And, and it's just good to have someone you can talk to who's kind of on the same journey that, that you're on. And, you know, I'd like to say this to you, because Herbert is one of my best friends, so, so I know I'm, I'm biased on this thing, but, but I just would like to tell you this. Um, man, I'm just so proud of him and, and what has happened in this church. And I'm proud of you. I'm proud of this church because of... Everything that's taking place and what you're doing. And, and I'll tell you this. Here's what I believe. And I believe this with all of my heart. I believe Oklahoma City needs people's church. I mean, people have been served up of religion and all that stuff for long enough. And it's time for the fresh breath of God. And you guys are giving that, man. And, you know, some of you are new to church or maybe this is your first time, your first day. And others of you have been sort of raised in church. And you get it. You've been to some of those business meetings of those splits, all that goofy stuff that makes churches dysfunctional, and that's not here. And, man, it is happening here, and, and partly because you have great leadership, so, so, so get behind your leadership and support them, and, and mostly because God is making something happen. And, and if I lived anywhere near Oklahoma City and I wasn't pastor of my own church, man, I would be here every week, every week. So, so if you're visiting today, you found it. This, don't waste your gas going somewhere else. This is it. Be here. And, 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 and just know this. What, what is taking place here just doesn't happen every day. And, and you just have to know that. So, so man, God's doing some cool things in, in, in the life of, of not only you and your leader and pastor, but this church. So, man, it's great. Hey, uh, I want to give you a talk today about faith, and, and that's huge, and that's big, and, and I call this talk uh, Faith, Hope, and Luck, and, and I'm a believer that, that faith is a lifelong journey, and it has a lot of ups and downs, and sometimes we have goosebumps in our faith, and sometimes we don't, and you, you know that. Some of you right now in your faith, boy, you're just feeling so close to Jesus, and, and this is a neat time for you, and you get up in the morning, you smell the roses, there's the sunshine, and, and you're like, yay, it's Jesus, give me a J, J, yes, you yes, you just feel him, and that's a good moment for you. And others of you in this room, it's, it's been a long time since you've felt that. Or, or you're going through a valley. Or, or, or it's just, you know, you being here today is part of you trying to reconnect with something that you used to feel when you were younger and when you went to VBS or uh, camp or whatever. And you're trying to reconnect with that. And others of you maybe in this room today, you're not yet a Christ follower. And you've got a million questions. They're good questions. They're honest questions. But you're trying to figure this whole thing out. And it is a, a journey of faith. And uh, I want to tell you a story um, about me, something that happened in my life when I was in Bible college that just stretched my faith. And that's what I want to talk to you about, stretching your faith today. And uh, I was in Bible college, um, and, and hadn't really been a Christian that long. Um, I was like 18 years old when I became a Christian, and I wasn't raised in church, so I didn't get the whole church routine. And so I, I became a Christian said, okay, something I've never even heard of, Bible college, I think I'll go to that. So 11 months later, I'm in Bible college, and I don't even really know what I'm supposed to do when I get out of Bible college. I feel like I just want to be around this, and I want to be near Jesus, and I don't know what my gifts or talents are, so I don't know what I'm going to do, like in ministry or whatever. And I had never preached at this point, 
And uh, I was a part of a youth group where the youth pastor would take students uh, like from the youth group and he would take them on something they called choir tours. So they would go to churches, and, and in these churches they would sing, and, and then he would follow behind them and, and preach a message for 20 minutes. And, and I was not musically inclined, couldn't preach, so I never went on these things for any reason. And one time he came to uh, me and another leader in the youth group by the name of Gary, and he said, listen, here's what we're doing. We're going to take uh, a trip, a choir trip, to the Northwest. And uh, I want you two guys to, to follow uh, the choir after they're done singing, you guys will preach. So Gary, the, the, the church we go to on Sunday morning uh, in the Northwest, Washington, Oregon, when, when they're done singing, you're going to get up and preach. Tommy, and this scared me, right when he said my name, we're going to go to a church, different church that night, and when we get there and they sing, you get up and preach. And I was nervous because I didn't know if I could do it or not, but I knew I needed to find out, can I do that? I'm in Bible college, can I preach? So I agreed to it, so, so off we go to the Northwest. And uh, it's Sunday morning, and we're in this church of less than 100 people, and, and Gary gets up, and he preaches, and I'm sitting where you're sitting, and, and listen, a year and a half ago at this time, I, I don't even know what a church is, and, and so I'm like, okay, I'm watching him preach, and I'm thinking, maybe I can do this. I'm nervous, but maybe tonight I can actually pull this thing off. So he gets done preaching, and then we go get in the bus, and we start heading towards the church I'm going to preach at that night. And, and I'm rehearsing my notes, and I got my notes, my hands are shaking, and, and my stomach hurts, my head hurts, because, I mean, you know, it's not an easy thing, especially if you've never done it. So I'm like, maybe, hopefully, God, help us. And, and so here we go on this bus, and my youth pastor just used to be the world's worst about leaving little details out, like this one. We pull up to a mega church. It's like a shopping mall, and I hop out of the bus. I'm like, uh-uh, 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 I can't do this. I can't. And, and it's, you know, the church we were in that morning, you could fit in the lobby of this thing. And, and, and it's a Sunday night crowd. Now, now, put yourself in my shoes. You never preached in your life. A year and a half ago, you know what church was. It's a, it's a Sunday night crowd, but there's still over a 1,000 people in there waiting for me to come in there and preach. And I told him, I can't, I can't, I can't. And he says, you're going to have to, you're going to have to, you're going to have to. And the longest walk of my life to this day was from that front row, walking all the way down here, walking up those steps. A year and a half ago, I didn't even know what a church is. Now I'm in this strange thing called Bible college. Now a thousand people are staring at me. They've all been raised in church. I wasn't. And I walk and I get behind the podium and I'm praying this prayer of faith over and over. I'm praying, Lord, please don't let me throw up in front of these people. Please, if I spew up here, ah, that's not going to be good. And if you can just help me, help me. So, so I get up and I have this talk from Joshua chapter 7. And it's about this guy named Achan. And, and I called it, destroy that which is devoted to destruction in your life. And, and for 20 minutes, trying not to hyperventilate, I spit that talk out. And, and then I didn't even know if they're really listening to me or not. I, I just didn't. So I said, okay, bow your heads and close your eyes because I'm going to pray. And this is a Sunday night crowd. So these are like your committed Christian type people. And I said, all right. How many of you in this room, in this room, uh, you have something in your life that's devoted to your destruction? I mean, it's messing you up. And, and half the people raised their hands in that room. Half of them. And it shocked me. I, I didn't even know if they were listening to me or not. And all these hands, and I went. And I looked from the left to the right, and, and, and I said, into the microphone, I said, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> and they start lifting their heads up, looking at me. I go, bow your heads. Man, we got some problems in here. We're going to pray. God deliver these people. And, 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 but but, but here's, here's what I learned that night. Here's what I learned that night. My faith was stretched. Big time, big time. I, I realized, man, God can come through for me no matter what. He can always do the impossible. And, and yes, I may be scared, but, 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 but I can make this thing happen. Now, now here we go. Here, question for you. Your situation. 
When was the last time your faith was stretched? Are you in the place where you feel like you can trust God and you think He can come through for you no matter what? Or, 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 and I don't want to make you feel guilty. This is where we end up in life sometimes, and this is part of it. Has the word impossible started to creep into your vocabulary? And maybe it has, like with your marriage. Maybe with your marriage, you're like, man, we're here today, and it's, it's shaky, and this is not what I signed up for, and this is hard. Or, or you're in the place with your job and your career, and you're like, man, I had goals, I had dreams, and this is not it, and I'm not sure. And, or with your finances, I mean, it's hard right now. And you're like, man, or, or with your faith and your spirituality, it's become cold, and you're, you're just like, can God fix this? Can he still come through for me? Or, 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 or maybe you're single, and you're just not sure if you're ever going to meet that right person out there. I mean, you keep meeting people, and it doesn't seem like it's the right person person or or you're single again and and right now life's just not easy it's it's just not like okay where's my faith on this whole thing or you're not yet a follower of christ part of you being here today is trying to figure that whole thing out and you have questions and what if and what about and didn't men write the bible and what about this and what's the meaning of the universe and can i have enough faith or or are you going through a time right now maybe where you're depressed or 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 you have a habit or an addiction and you come in on Sunday morning, and everybody looks good, right? Because it's Sunday, and, and we clean up well and spray cologne and all. But, but man, everybody in this place has issues. I've got issues. You've got everybody has issues. And you have some now, and you're like, okay, can God help me with these issues? Can I believe? Or, or maybe you're going through something with your kids right now. You raised them better, but dear Lordy, the principal's calling you every other day, and you don't know what to do. Or, or you've got this huge, huge, huge decision that you have to make right now. And, and, and it comes right back to your faith. And it's being stretched. And, and I want to show you a story from John chapter 6. If you have your Bible, you can go to John chapter 6. I would ask you to buckle up. This story moves very quickly. And, and here's what I'm going to try to do. I'm going to try to rip the word impossible from your vocabulary. Now, again, I believe faith is a lifelong journey with a lot of ups, a lot of downs. And, and, and I believe this. If you don't give up and you hang in there, and it's not always about just having goosebumps and jumping up and down. Sometimes it's about hanging in there. And when you do that, I think you start to see God do the impossible in your life. John chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, and this gives us a little bit of background to the story. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. Now, now this is a story, if you're raised in church or, or if you have your Bible and it says it you know, on top of the chapter, this is the story of the feeding of the 5,000. Now, just by way of background... There are thousands of people that have crowded into the area for the Passover. And this is a huge moment of celebration for Jewish people. Now, now remember, Jesus is Jewish. The disciples are Jewish. That's, that's where it all starts. So this is a big moment for them. So Jesus has been preaching to crowds of thousands for days. He's been healing the sick for days. And, and he and his disciples, they're pretty tired and weary. And they need some rest. And you're like no good to anybody if you're burned out. And Jesus gets that. So he takes the 12 and he tries to go off to a secluded place so they can rest. But the people have had religion shoved down their throat for centuries. And they finally have this fresh voice 
of this amazing carpenter. And it is blowing their minds. And they can't get enough of it. And it's more important to them than food. So they find Jesus and his 12. And they're out there in this secluded area. Thousands of them. And, and Jesus is feeling bad because there's you know, no McDonald's anywhere. And we're, we're away from civilization. And, and so he's like, they can't get anything to eat out here. And, and, and we need to feed them. And, and that's what's taking place. Now, other than the death... And the burial and the resurrection of your Lord, uh, this is the most often told story in the Bible. It's recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, and I think for a reason. I believe it's purposeful. And, and, and this is huge. The, the disciples are going to be co-helpers after Jesus leaves. And what that means is during, during Jesus' three and a half years of ministry, he's up front. He's doing the ministry. The disciples are behind the scenes, just sort of helping. When Jesus leaves, that's going to flip-flop. And now the disciples are going to be up front doing the ministry. And though it's Jesus' miracle, his power, his inspiration, he's behind the scenes. So he's going to partner with them in this way today in this miracle. If you're there today and and he's feeding the 5,000 people and you're one of those people, you're going to see the disciples coming at you, bringing you food, and Jesus working behind the scenes. Now, Now, here's one that's important. That's the way it is today. You're up front. You're the one working in the nursery. You're the one working in the preschool. That outreach yesterday, you were the guys out there making it happen. And, 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 and the people are seeing you. Now, it's Jesus' inspiration, his power, his miraculous healing touch. He, he's inspiring you, but they're seeing, they're seeing you. So, so on this journey of faith, there are six R words we're going to learn today. And it's going to take us down a path of faith. And we've got some lessons to be learned about faith. Here's the first one. It is a requirement. First thing you're going to get is a requirement, verses 5 and 6. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he says to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asks this only to really mess, 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 mess with his mind. That's my translation, by the way. For he already had in his mind what he was going to do. He knew what he was going to do. He wasn't going to buy food. And, and, and we read this, and we know this as the story of the feeding of the 5,000. But that's because uh, in that day, Jewish people only numbered the men. But Jesus is also going to feed women and children. So that is a grand total of 20,000 people Jesus is going to feed this day. Here's your requirement. You ready for it? You thought you were going to come to church and just feel the Lord's presence and and leave. No, 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 no. There's a requirement. You know what it is? Go feed 20,000 people with pretty much no food at all. Here's your requirement today. People's church. You are about to be stretched Oh, you're going to be stretched in a way you never thought you could be stretched. Right now, you can feel it. God's asking you to honor him with your job, and God's asking you to honor him with your career, with your family and your priorities and your faith. And some of you aren't yet Christ followers, and God's pulling you. He's saying, I'm touching your heart. I don't want you to be on the fence. I want you to be over here, and you can feel it. And you're stretching, stretching, stretching. When I met Herb Cooper, uh, one week old, people's church was, just like he said, and, and I hadn't even started our church yet. And little did we know at the time, at that church plant boot camp, that we would both be stretched. And, and the half has not even been told yet. We're just now in the middle of the story. Here's what Jesus is saying to his disciples. And here's what he's saying to you today, people's church. You are about to become a part of something bigger than yourselves. You are about to be a blessing. You are not just called just to enjoy Christ. You're not here just to invoke his blessing and his power on your career and your goals. One of the reasons we get after you and say, hey, get in a small group. Hey, serve. Hey, do the outreach. Hey, give. Hey, whatever, whatever, is because uh, you're not just recipients of salvation. You are messengers. 
to do God's will. So, so here's the thing. Here's the requirement. You're going to be stretched. And, and here's your recognition. Second R word. It's going to hit you right between the eyes. It does me every day. Here it is. Verse 7. Philip answered him, eight months' wages will not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. So you have 20,000 people. They're tired. The disciples, Jesus behind the scenes. He's pushing the 12 towards the 20,000. Crowds flaring. It's, it's kind of a panicky moment. And here's old Philip. And, and there's a math geek in every crowd with a calculator brain. Have you ever noticed that? And they just do numbers in their mind. And they're kind of like Rain Man or something. And he starts calculating. He looks at these 20,000 people. And then he turns to Jesus. He says, eight months wages. Eight months wages. Won't even get them a bite. Well, what does that mean? Here's the translation. This is impossible. Jesus, and, and you may be feeling this right now in your situation, your marriage, your money, your ministry, whatever. Jesus, what you're asking me to do cannot be done. It cannot be done. So Philip gets an A-plus in math. He figures 20,000 people, A-months wages. He gets to go to any college he wants to go to. Good job, Philip. Uh, but you get an F-minus in faith. And, and here's your recognition. God's going to stretch you, your career, your job, your marriage. You came in here today, and you're like, man, I'm going to go to divorce court after. No, no, no. God's going to stretch you, stretch you. Here, here it is. Here's your recognition to that. And it's normal. I can't do this. Hey, Ken, I cannot stand up in front of a thousand people and try to preach. I, I cannot do this. And you may be there right now. God's asking you to forgive somebody, and you're like, they're not worth forgiving. I can't. I don't know if it's in me. I can't. I can't. He's asking you to break a self-destructive pattern. I can't. He's asking you to engage in ministry. Like, I don't know if I can. I, I, I just don't feel like I can't. He's asking you to discipline yourself for your priorities or your daily time with God or your ministry, or your family, your giving or whatever. And you feel like, I can't. Right now, he's touching your heart. And, and I know you have a million questions, but he wants you to become a Christ follower. And you're thinking right now, I can't. And this is Gideon uh, saying, my clan is the weakest and I'm the weakest in my family. This is Moses saying, who am I? Now, now, if you're in this place, it's pretty normal. And, and it's not such a bad place to be in. And, and I'll tell you why. If your response to something you feel like the Lord wants you to do is, I got this. I got this under control. Lord, you want me to do that? No problem. I'm gifted, talented. I can do that in my sleep. If that's your response, then, then you're not living on the edge enough. And you're guilty of living your Christian life in a place where you just don't need God's help for anything thing. And, and you've brought your life down to your own talents, your own abilities. You're playing not to lose. You're playing prevent defense. And, and come on, guys, sports guys, what does prevent defense keep you from win- doing? It, it prevents you from winning. That's what it does. Some of you are on prevent, prevent defense mode. And, and here's what I love about Herbert Cooper and this church. You guys are on the edge. You're not preventing anything. Listen, some, somebody didn't tell you guys there's a slow economy. You're out there building. Somewhere deep inside, you read Matthew 28, and you read that Jesus wants you to reach your community, and it didn't say, except during slow economy times and during those moments, don't do that. You didn't read that part. And, and, and hey, I, I, we, my church, we just built a building, and, and, and we have some cool things going on. I can tell you what to expect over the next year or so, if, if you want me to, because I've just lived there. Uh, you're about to have a lot more of everything you know, in the nursery, some of your nursery workers, guess what's going to happen? 
all those little snotty-nosed little kids, you about to have twice as many of them. Oh, it's going to be so much fun. Those poopy diapers, twice as many. It's coming, man. You all the parking out there and the cars coming and going. You're about to have twice as many. Why? Because you can't stop the blessing of God. It's going to happen. And, and you're, but you know what? You have all of that, twice as many problems, twice as many issues. But you know what else you get twice as many of? Life changes. People come in within 100 foot of this place and sense in the presence of God, and they come in with an addiction, a habit, an issue. They come in not even believing, and something hits them between the eyes, and they are mesmerized by this amazing carpenter that still lives, and they will never, 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 never be the same again because I think the church is the hope of the world because it represents Jesus to a community, and you've got a leader that believes in this, and, and, and that's why Oklahoma City has to have this church because it represents that. Now, now, here's what I would say. If your response to something that you feel like the Lord wants you to do, and right now God's telling you something, and, and you're not a follower, or you're whatever, or you need whatever, whatever he's asking you to do, if your response is, ah, I can't do this, then you're in a good position. If you're in the place where you're like, I cannot do this without invoking the power and blessing of God, I am in trouble. If you're in that place, that's a good place to be. That, that, is, that is God going to Moses and, and, and Moses killing the Egyptian and thinking, I got this, God. I can deliver the children of Israel. I'm your man. God can't use him. Forty years later, he comes to Moses. Moses is broken, walking around in circles, stuttering, saying, who am I? That's when God can use him. Now, there's going to be a third R word, and it's a request. Verses 8 and 9. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. Well, how far will they go amongst so many? So, so, so Philip is saying, hey, this thing's impossible. Can't be done. Andrew's like, well, we do have a little bit of food, and, and we have something, and it's a little bit better. But they're both wrong because they're both thinking in the realm of the natural. Jesus is about to do something in the supernatural. Now, now here's the request. You've been stretched. You're like, I can't do this. And, and here's a request from God to you. To you. Here's what he's going to say. Just give me what you have. And I know it's not much. You have limited talents, limited abilities. And give me what you have by way of your mess-ups too, your, your issues, your habits. Give me what you have. And the only thing more ridiculous than having nothing on that day was having this. What you have is a kid's meal. It's a happy meal. There's this little kid with his little lunchbox, and what he has is five barley loaves, and they're the size of granola bars. And they're very, it's really bland. It's, it's this size, and there's not much taste. So mom has to pack two tiny little salty fish that are the size of sardines. And what you do is mix these little fish up with the barley loaves, and, and then it has some kind of taste. And uh, it's a kid's meal. This is not enough food for one adult. This is... McNuggets with a prize inside. So, so, so you're like, well, I don't have much. I can't offer God. God's saying, give me what you have. Trust me, it's more than this. And this is what they have on this day. And, and there's going to be a response to this. It's verse 10. Jesus says, have the people sit down. There's plenty of grass in that place. The men sat down, about 5,000 of them. And, and here's the response. In your situation, you just obey. You're not going to understand it all, but you obey and you mix it with a little bit of faith. And, and here's what we know from the other Gospels. Jesus had the disciples sit the people down in groups of 50s and 100s. And, and this would have taken hours. And, and, and I don't think they knew why they were making them sit down. I, I don't think the disciples knew that, hey, we're about to have a buffet. How would you know that? 
How would you know this guy can like make food out of nothing? You wouldn't know that. So they're making these people sit down. I think John says over to Peter, and he says, do you have a clue why we're making these people sit down? And he's back to him. I have no clue. I thought you knew. Maybe Jesus is going to teach. And, and, and here's the principle of response. You have to follow God step by step. And you're never going to be given the entire vision up front. You, you, you start out and you have to take a step. And with each step, more of the vision, more of the picture unfolds. Some of you aren't Christ followers yet and you guys, ah, I've got a million questions. I want to know the answer to the universe. It's not going to happen. You've got to take a step. And each step you take, more of the picture unfolds. God goes to Herb Cooper. He says, plant people's church. And, and Herb Cooper's like, what's it going to look like 10 years from now? And God's like, if I showed you, it would scare you. J- just take a step of faith. And each step you take, more of the plan is revealed. I don't think I've ever stepped down and done anything where I was any more than about 80% sure that's what I'm supposed to be doing. You've got to take a step of faith. And, and this is Abraham. God says to Abraham, leave your country. And then many, 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 many years later, you're going to receive the promised child. This is the place where great opportunities are often disguised as unsolvable problems. And it, and it leads to something that you've got to have. It's the fifth R word. It's a reliance. Verse 11 says, Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted, and he did the same thing with the fish. Now, here's the part where Jesus feeds 20,000 people through 12 disciples. And we read it really quickly in a little verse, and then we go on with the rest of our daily devotions. This would have taken hours, hours, hours. And I think we are, are under this misconception that, that the disciples were these superhero saints that had all the faith in the world, and I don't buy that. You know what I think the disciples were like? They were like you and me. There's normal people. Can you imagine Thomas on this day? Thomas was the man. You know, his friends just called him Tommy. He was a really good guy. And uh, thanks. And they, they gave him this little granola bar. Jesus does. He says, Thomas, go feed 20,000 people. Can you imagine Thomas with a granola bar walking towards 20,000 people? It wasn't a man of faith. I'm going to go feed 20,000 people. No, no, no. He's walking towards this crowd and just shakes his head. What? I think he looks back at Jesus. Jesus is trying not to laugh. And he's like, are you really going to make me go through with this? I think he takes another step and he looks at the disciple next to him and he says, listen, let's just do this and get it over with and show him it's not going to work. I think he takes a corner of the little granola bar off, walks up to the first guy and says, here, chew slowly would be my suggestion. And then I think he looks back down at the granola bar and it's whole again. It gives him like these tinglys up and down his spine. He's like, whoa. And, and this thing's like this magic granola bar. What's that? I think the next time he tears off half of it gives it to the person next to the first guy. And, and he starts eating, he looks down, this thing's whole again. And I think he's just blowing his mind. I think the next time he gives the whole thing away, and he looks in his hand, it's back again. And, and it's, just, it's just weird. And I can't prove this. I can't prove this. But I think they got more as their faith grew. I think you take the little amount Jesus gives you, you give it away, you go back and get more. The more you give, the more you get. And, and I think by the end of this thing... They are throwing arm loads of this stuff out towards the crowd. I think the first couple of hundred people that have eaten, they incorporate their help, and they're all throwing arm loads of this stuff out. And, and here's your reliance, and, and this is important. Your reliance is always 100% on Jesus. Now, now you're probably wondering, well, how do, how do I apply this to my life? I mean, you're talking about fish and bread, and it's multiplying, and how does this work for me on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday? And, and it's your sixth R word. Here's how you apply this to your life. Results. There will be results for you. Verses 12 and 13. 
When they had all had enough to eat, he says to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Here are your results. It's multiplication. It is 12 baskets left over. Now, now are you doing your math? This is more than you started with. And, and this is the place where you take your temporal investments, invest in the eternal with my church, here's the reason I never feel guilty for asking people to tithe or give their hearts to God or commit to ministry. I never feel guilty. Here's what I know. They're cashing in a Happy Meal, and they're walking off with 12 baskets. I know that. And, and, and this is a spooky thing. It's very scary because here's, here's how, what you're going to think, and here's what you're going to feel. You think you're going to have nothing if you risk everything, but the exact opposite is true. You hang on to it, you lose it. And, and here's a little kid, and, and he has every right to hang on to his happy meal. It's his happy meal, and he still gets to heaven. I mean, he's okay. You can keep your happy meal, or, or, or you can give it up. You keep it, you get barley loaves, and you get your sardines. That's it. You give it up, and buddy, you're going to walk out of here with 12 baskets, and you're going to see the coolest miracle you've ever seen in your life, and we're still going to be talking about you 2,000 years later. So, so, so here's the thing. For you and your situation... Take your situation, whether it's your marriage, your job, your habit, your issues, your tithe, your giving, your ministry involvement, and, and here's what you do. You, you give it all to Jesus, and he's going to take them. It's going to feel like you, like you lost it at first. He's going to take them. He's going to make them his own. He's going to bless them. He's going to multiply them. He's going to use us to distribute them, and he's going to give us more than we started with. Now, now here's the thing, and then I'm going to pray. Somewhere out there, there's this little boy. And he has to uh, recruit 12 full-grown men to help him bring home 12 baskets of food left over and explain to his mom what happened. And, and uh, this is a kid that's going to understand something about faith. This is enough to feed his whole village. And uh, many months later, he's going to hear these crazy stories about some guy named Jesus that died but then got up from the grave. Dead man walking. I think the kid is going to believe it. Let's pray. Lord, faith is huge for us. Every person in this room today, God, I just pray you help us walk this walk.